Your neighbor tells you about the unstable man in the cul-de-sac who claims to have been abducted by aliens. And then there's the woman in town who claims to see Bigfoot all the time. Your boss, who you greatly admire, confides in you that he has started speaking with his wife daily when he gets home from work. She died eight years ago. It's hard to believe this stuff, and you write these stories off as overactive imaginations. Are these people seeking attention, or are they a bit unstable? No matter what you think, if you're like me, you walk away wondering, what if that was true? The What If It's True podcast features stories by ordinary people like you and me. Something has happened to them, something so strange they are in agony unless they tell others. My name is Cameron Buckner, and the What If It's True podcast is available at whatifitstruepodcast.com and on all available podcast apps. Warning. Some of the subjects we discuss may be too intense or graphic for some audiences. The world is a fearful place. We are surrounded by people and things that would do us harm. Some walk among us every day, while others lurk in the shadows, a threat unknown. Join us as we discuss all of the things that frighten us most, from the paranormal and unknown, to the true and horrific crimes committed by our very own kind, with Matt Knapp and Lauren Smith on Planet Fear. paranormal so we do ghost stories and we do true crime among other things but what if i told you that today's show is a ghost story that turns into a murder investigation what (laughs) the shock on your face you had no idea that was coming Well, I was almost going the infomercial route. (laughs) But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. But really, there's not. It's true crime and paranormal. It's both. Yeah. So, I was pretty excited about that. So, picture it. It's May 1999. A 14-year-old girl goes to the Hong Kong police station, and she tells officers that she is being haunted by a ghost and has been for the past several weeks. She states that the ghost is wrapped in electrical wire and appears to have been tortured to death. The police, of course, dismiss the girl and assume that she's being a typical teenager pulling a prank or just having weird dreams. But no. She persists and explains that the ghost is not exactly a stranger to her and that she herself had taken part in the murder of this woman who is haunting her now. So at that point... The officers tune in and start paying attention. And the girl takes them to an apartment in Kowloon, a rundown area of the city. Upon arriving at the apartment, they discovered an oversized Hello Kitty mermaid doll with a female human skull inside of it. And the skull belonged to Fan Men Yi. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do a disclaimer. I don't know how to say half of these names, but I'm going to do my very Oklahoma best. And I'm going to assume <laughs> that that was not some limited edition Hello Kitty doll. No, you you are you would be correct in assuming that. Okay, good job. I mean, to start out, like it immediately <laughs> sounds like 
all those really scary Asian horror films right. about ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> like The Grudge. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Except worse because she's saying she's being haunted by this ghost and that it won't leave her alone until she confesses. And after reading up on this story mm-hmm. and learning what all took place, I have to say I kind of believe her. Right. And I have to say, after what the victim went through, I'd haunt their asses too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. full on poltergeist. Like, yeah. they, yeah, it would be. Grudge. <laughs> yeah. The victim, and again, I'm going to try my best with the names, Fan Man Yi. She was a 23-year-old nightclub hostess. Now, Fan was abandoned by her family as a young child. She was raised in a girl's home, so basically an orphanage, but she was kicked out at 16 because at the time it was said that 16-year-olds should be able to fend for themselves. Well, she goes out, and in order to survive, she turns to prostitution and petty theft and becomes hooked on drugs, and then to pay for the drugs, she has to do more prostitution and petty theft to pay for her habit. Ends up in the... Hong Kong underworld of criminal activity. <laughs> Basically. Not a good place to be. No, especially not having a great upbringing anyway. She was kind of susceptible to this scene. So I mean, it, can we just go ahead and skip to the part where this young woman's life was one of the most horrible lives I've ever heard anyone living? I mean, everything about it is just like... Yeah, like, so she had a really crap childhood. Yeah. She becomes what they consider an adult, and it's even worse crap. Different place, different rules, different culture, you know. Yeah. At 23, she became the hostess at a nightclub, all while battling her addiction still. So in 1997, she met a 34-year-old socialite named Chan Man Lak. Chan was a pimp and a drug dealer and preyed upon the young addicted sex worker. They met at the nightclub, and then from then on, she became part of his scene, his posse. Basically meaning he used her and... Yeah. yeah. So late 1997 rolls around, and Fan finds herself in desperate need of money to get more drugs. So she makes the enlightened decision to steal Chan's wallet and makes off with about $2,500 in U.S. money. This decision would prove to be fatal for her. Fatal mistake. Yeah. Chan figures out his wallet is gone and sends his two henchmen after her. Lung Xing Cho, who's 27, and Lung Wai Lun, 21. The two brutes kidnap the young woman and plan to pimp her out to make back the money she stole. But the plan kind of goes off the rails and things got a little bit out of hand. That's sarcasm. <laughs> I read that she, like, was terrified, of course, mm-hmm. and that she went ahead and did what they said and, like, paid back the money plus interest, and the dollar amount kept rising. Yeah. And so they were going to pimp her out to get that money back. That they had already gotten back. That they had already gotten back. Nice guys. Really nice. Really nice. So, they're pimping her out in the beginning to get that money back. But while they're doing that, they're punishing her. And 
beating her daily, among other things. And when she became so disfigured from the beatings that her clients didn't want her anymore, that's when it got real. Yeah. She wasn't of use anymore. Right. For making money. Yes. So they sadistically used her as a form of entertainment. So Fan Man Yi was tied up and beaten. And they began torturing her brutally at that point. Not just beatings. Torturing. She was raped, burned, starved, and forced to eat human feces. And when I say she was beaten and raped, that was daily, multiple times a day. And putting it very mildly. Mm-hmm. They would force Manyi to smile while it was happening and tell them that she was excited from the beatings, that they excited yeah, her. Yeah, that was so jacked up. That's like, psychological. Yeah, like... They wanted her to act like she was enjoying it, so it was all just a, ga- a game to them. Right. Everybody's having fun, mm-hmm. and if she didn't, it just got worse. They beat her even harder. It, you know, I've I've heard of some sadistic uh, people like that doing that same thing. Like this is a, a psychological tactic that they were using. And it's sadistic. I can't think of anything worse than being made to say that you're enjoying something so god-awful that's happening to you. They beat her. They raped her. They tortured her. They used metal bars, kitchen utensils, bits, and pieces of furniture to beat her with. And when they, they weren't abusing her, they would sit in the next room and play video games while she suffered. Yeah. They were holding her basically in a trap house. Yeah. It was like an apartment building for criminal activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's what the apartment building was filled. She was, you know, up in this guy's personal lair. Help's not coming. Yeah. Nothing, you know. Like, she couldn't get away. The situation is hopeless for her. It really was. And, I mean, she she couldn't escape. She didn't have the energy after a while to escape. Even if she did, I'm sure that everybody in that apartment building knew who he was and knew not to yeah, he take was her side or, or mess with him. Reportedly part of the triads. Yeah. Chinese mafia, basically. Right. That, yeah. And those guys do not get messed with yeah. by anybody. Yeah. He had money, he had clout, and was reported to be part of the Chinese mafia. So basically, and she is, she was just a sex worker. She was just a prostitute. She was a and piece of was, property at yeah, that point. he was her pimp. So even if she had gotten free, it wouldn't have really mattered to, no. you know, anyone. So as more time passed, the more creative her torturers became. They would melt plastic and drip it onto her skin. They did the same thing with candle wax. And when they ran out of things to burn and drip on her, they changed it to just burning her directly. Yeah. So, like, I read that they used plastic drinking straws, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I don't know if everybody does it or not, but (laughs) I've burned or melt a plastic drinking straw. I've had melted plastic drip on me before. Yeah, yeah. And they would just, like, sit there and melt the plastic on her skin and, like, on her mm-hmm. feet and everything. Yeah. And then use, like, uh, 
in Asia, they're pretty well known for their cuisine, obviously, but their chili oils where they mix oil with all different kinds of chilies and they would like drip the chili oil into her wounds and stuff and just when yeah when they would wound her they would take stuff and put it in the wounds like food urine the spices the chili oil and dirt like into her wounds basically just not allowing her to heal yeah and just causing more pain more suffering more pain more psychological damage yeah like just as much pain as they could inflict on her and degradation um they burned her feet so bad that she couldn't walk or stand you know the other day i was pulling some cookies out of the oven and i burned the entire crap out of my backhand backhand the back of my (laughs) hand (laughs) and it hurt like it was i i've been burned several times minor burns it freaking hurts like it is all consuming all you can think about even if you've got ice on it and everything else it doesn't matter it is painful and this was inflicted so badly that she was mutilated from it and couldn't walk daily stand daily it's awful so after she became so broken that she couldn't move and so depleted they tied her by her wrist to the ceiling fan with electrical cords and let her hang there as they beat her. Yeah. So that would be the image the ghost took, allegedly, that the 14-year-olds right. say was haunting her. Basically, whenever they weren't uh, enjoying their time torturing her, they would leave her hanging like a slab of meat. hmm And just sit there playing video games and going about their day and, like... Yeah. This, and this went on care. for, like, a month? So this went on for a month. 30 days of pure torture. The 14-year-old girl uh, was one of Chan's girls. Yeah, a a young woman that he had Mm -hmm. uh, pimped out as a prostitute and taken possession of. And they made her partake in the torture as well. Now, later on during the trial, uh, the girl was given the pseudonym Ah Fong. So that's what I'll call her. Uh, her name's not known. Anyway, she stated at one point that she witnessed Chan kick Fan Manyi 50 times in the head. I don't know if you've ever been kicked in the head on purpose or <laughs> on accident. I have. Just, that hurts. Well, yeah, just think about... 50 times? Uh, I hope most of our listeners haven't been kicked in the head. <laughs> At but childhood. <laughs> pretty much everyone out there has bumped their head on something. Right. And just think about that pain. And that's nothing compared to somebody wheeling back and kicking you in the head violently. 50 times. 50 times. 50 times. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine because I've, you know, I've had bruises on my head and like they pulse and they hurt and you have a headache afterwards and then. That's mild. That's like you bumped yeah. your head and you go to bend over and it just hurts because all the blood rushes to your head. Now picture that 50 times all over your head well, and I mean, face. That's concussions and, and lacerations and, and bruising. Brain bleeds. And, yeah, it's you know, everything. Subdural hematomas. I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. It's fine. The men made this 14-year-old girl partake in the abuse. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be traumatic to me as a 14-year-old girl. Well, I mean... I don't remember yeah. much of whenever I was a 14-year-old girl. 
You're awful. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, so you have to keep that in mind whenever you're hearing about this story that mm-hmm. she was a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Actually, 13 at the time, I think, that this happened. Right. Yeah, she was Yeah, she was 13 when it happened and 14 when she went to the cops. And because trial. whenever she's talking to the cops and at trial, she's, you know, openly just talking about, like, her participation mm-hmm. and how we did it for fun. And yeah. you have to understand that, like, obviously... This is a 13-year-old girl who's, like, being fed drugs, methamphetamines. Raped. Pimped raped, out. pimped out. Like, yeah. you can't blame her for her participation or how she perceived it in her own mind as, like, she was taking part in, oh, well, we did this. This was fun. I, you know, I did yeah. it, too. Like Because, I mean, what I get from it is... Like, if she didn't participate, it would be her next. Yeah. So, that doesn't make it right. No. But I I, I don't I'm just not going to hold yeah. a child to the yeah. same accountability as these grown men. And she did go to the cops eventually. Yeah. Which I'm sure was absolutely freaking terrifying for her. But she also did one of the most despicable things. Do tell. Uh at one point in time, she apparently defecated in a shoebox mm, yes. and made the woman two girls, one cup it, basically. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, she made her eat the poop. <laughs> she made her eat the poop. That's what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the victim, she did, she had to eat feces and drink urine. And she wasn't allowed to spit out the urine or try mm-hmm. to move away while they were doing it. Yeah. Or the beatings would commence again with yeah. metal pipes and such and jeez i just i <sighs> i know like i'm i'm very good at compartmentalizing so i could read all of this and be fine and be like oh my god that sucks but like if you break it down and really think about it it's an awful awful way to go well like she was know, 23 we talked about the ripper crew mm-hmm. oh god those victims went through some horrible things Mm -hmm. and that was a lot of hard stuff to get through but there's that always that very dim sad light at the end of the tunnel the point where you die and it's over Mm -hmm. this was going on every day of her life every time she was conscious right for a month it wasn't just like oh well you know it's over because i'm dead and no still going yeah and worse and worse and worse it's like they really did not they weren't doing this and then going to release her back into public like this was they were there she was there no she wasn't ever leaving yeah and they weren't trying to necessarily kill her and uh, the more they did to her it seemed like uh, the more or the less entertaining it was for them, so they would yeah. increase right. what they were doing. And then whenever it became to the point of, like, you know, we've just turned her into a sack of meat, basically, at this point. Now they just like, oh, well, you know, kick her anyways. Yeah. You know, just yeah. they whatever. Yeah. They prolonged the torture, and I, it's almost like they wanted to see how much she could take before she died. Yeah. 
you know, what can you do to a person? You know, it, it's just, it's super sadistic. For being addicted to drugs, stealing a relatively small amount of money, paying it back tenfold. Right. This is what she got for it. So she's 23. I mean, I don't know if you remember much about being 23. I, I do, actually. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I was not being tortured. Yeah, no, same. Okay, so the men and Ah Fong kept up their abuse of Fan for over a month. Or I'm sorry, for a month before she finally succumbed to her injuries and died overnight. And I guess everyone had left the apartment. Yeah, they had gone to the arc. Like, so over there, arcades are a big deal. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like video game arcades. They have video game arcades, yeah. but they just have these different shops where you can like play games for prizes that they call arcades. Mm-hmm. But there might be like one on every single block or right. two or three of them. And a lot of young people hang out at these places. And just kind of congregate there, and some play the game, some don't, which is kind of interesting because they're always going to the arcade, and here you have this big badass triad member mm-hmm. pimp drug dealer, yeah, and his entire lair is decked out in this Hello Kitty crap, yeah, and he's just like, okay, that's kind of weird, <laughs> yeah, but like that's the kind of mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that you win at these arcades. A lot of claw games, like if you can imagine yeah. claw games, yeah. like like they do that a lot over there. So they yeah. took Ah Fong with them. Yeah. So they took her out, and it was like a a date thing, and they all go out. And when they get back, when when Ah Fong, this is her testimony, when she mm-hmm. gets back, she sees that Fan is dead. So the guys tell Ah Fong that Fan overdosed on meth, and uh, she overdosed, and and that's why she died. After all that you guys have done to that poor woman's body, well, she ODs on meth when y'all leave because I'm pretty sure at that point she was so weak she couldn't even get to the whatever. Right. Yeah. Is that what they told her or was she fully aware that that's not what happened? But, you know, if it gets out, you know, like that's what we're going with. That's yeah. So that's what they went with. They said, you know. She was beaten for stealing, but the reason that she died was because she OD'd on meth and they couldn't take her back to the brothel. And they had like this whole thing worked up, right? And they were trying to get it through Ah Fong's head, you know, for whatever reason. Basically, they said that, but later on, experts came in and said they believe it was from her injuries. But there's no way to know for sure. And here's why. After the fellas discovered that she was dead. They took her body and they put it in the bathtub of the apartment. They then dismembered the body with a saw, took each piece of the body, and cooked them individually to stop the body from decomposing and stinking up the apartment, thus giving them away. But they didn't just bake the body parts. They also boiled other body parts simultaneously. Then they simply disposed of the cooked pieces in the trash and threw it out, all except for the head. They saved this part for something special. They boiled everything down to the skull. And keep in mind, while they're doing all this cooking in the kitchen, 
They're using the same utensils to stir their meals while she cooked. Yeah, they got hungry. You know. Started cooking some noodles. Makes me Next hungry. to the boiling pot of head. So they took her boiled skull and dried it off. And then they took an oversized Hello Kitty mermaid doll, cut it open, placed the skull inside, and sewed it back together. Is it wrong of me? Yes. I don't know what <laughs> you're going to say, but yes. <laughs> I was kind of impressed that one of these guys at least knew how to sew. I, I had that same thought. I mean... I really did. I had that same exact thought. I was like, oh, that's very industrious. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Also kind of Ed Geenish, but okay. It was also creepy that like whoever was, you know, tending the stove at the time had the young girl come look at the head in the pot right. while it was boiling. And yeah. she said that she was afraid to do it. And he told her, just pretend you're watching television. What? And she said once she had that mind state and looked in the pot, she saw that he was right. It was just like watching a cooking show. That's not the same thing. No. But like, whenever you've been doing methamphetamines <laughs> every day for the past year. Ruthless and toothless, baby. <laughs> I, I guess maybe. Uh, that's as far as I'll go with that line of thought. But It's like a cooking show for Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Not going to see that on the Food Network. They also kept one of her teeth and a few internal organs in a plastic bag. And her heart, I think. I didn't see why. I didn't read why anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't find anything about why Mm-mm. they kept these random things in, like, plastic bags or whatever. To abuse some more? They weren't quite done? I, I, don't, I know. don't know. Why put the skull in the Hello Kitty doll? I mean, it's meth. Like, I clearly yeah, there was not, like, a... Every time I reached fluid. one of those questions, <laughs> I thought meth. That's the, that's the only thing I could come up That and... So, like, this guy, considering the stuff that he was doing, I would assume was either related to a real triad member mm-hmm. or was very low on the food chain of the triad. Yes. And was probably doing all this stuff based on stories he had heard mm-hmm. or people he had known that had done things and was trying to, you know, yeah, kind of be like them. Right, right. Yeah. I well, don't, I don't, th- none of these guys seem like criminal masterminds or anything. <laughs> the little, little, uh, low key mobster. Yeah. Low on the totem pole. I mean, if you were like a self-entitled triad gang member in Hong Kong that had like disposable money and you're like pimping out these girls and you're a socialite, which is a huge deal over there. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you're also addicted to methamphetamines. Yeah. You uh, probably have a power trip going yeah. on. Yeah. I even read that the dismemberment got kicked off. Because police showed up in the building Hmm. and they panicked. But the police were there for a completely different rape call on the floor below them. So that's the kind of place this was. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, bad stuff happening, but that's what got it all started. And whenever he told the 14 year old girl that it was happening, he said, you know, now she has to be destroyed or something like that. 
you know, whenever we're whenever I was reading the article and or articles and researching and all that, and I heard he was a socialite and a mafia member and like, you know, I'm thinking like this crime boss and I'm thinking his apartment is like some bachelor pad, like <laughs> yeah. drug dealer den, man. This thing is like black couches and all the, yeah. you know, lights. No. You see the pictures. It's 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 a nasty looking place. It's like a little drug den. Yeah. It's not a nice place Mm -mm. it's dingy it's dirty it's cluttered like there's a mattress on the floor where i'm assuming she was kept or there's a pad of some sort on the floor and it's honestly in the picture it kind of looks like a dog bed or well i kept something you know i kept seeing the pictures and i was like is this what the place looks like now yeah but and then you realize like (laughs) these are crime scene photos that were being taken yeah you know, I was of the same mindset of you, you know, the uh, social differences mm-hmm. over there where you have the upper class and then it just cuts down to the lower class. I mean, yeah, there's a huge gap even compared to how things are here in the States. And there are a lot of kids over there. I say kids, but people that grew up with money. And they're all like, you know, Gucci and Louis Vuitton and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, driving around in like expensive foreign cars and stuff, not doing meth in a crack house apartment right? with trash all over the floors. Yeah. So, I I mean, he, he was living a double lifestyle. Oh, for sure. But I mean, and I have to wonder if this was like a secondary place where he did where it didn't matter what yeah. happened there because yeah. if you look at the pictures i mean there's like holes in the wall and tile falling yeah. down and it's and it's the crime scene photos yeah so that's what it looked like then and it's trashy i mean it's just it's gross the 14 year old she had led police this is after all of that she can she went she told them what was going on and she leads police back to that apartment they walk into something that's straight out of a horror film The apartment was full of Hello Kitty decor. There was blankets, sheets, curtains, towels, silverware, stuffed animals. The whole place was decked out in Hello Kitty. And in the midst of all that, there's body parts. There's the skull. There's the bag of organs and teeth. Also, evidence they found there that supported that all three men had been in the apartment and interacted with the victim. Did it seem to you like... Until the police got to the apartment and saw all this stuff, that they were kind of like still at that point, like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. we'll check up on it. Well, you have to think this 14 year old girl, so and she was already known she was being a prostitute and drugs, yeah. So she's already known for hanging out with them, her reputation. She goes in and she's like, There's a ghost haunting me that I tortured and killed, like, you know, yeah. And then the police walk into that. And this is also in Hong Kong. Yeah. Which, you know, is, <laughs> I'm, I was trying to think, is this even safe to say, is in constant <laughs> conflict with China as a governing body. Mm-hmm. But basically, the fact that we're talking about this yeah. and that we even know it happened mm-hmm. is like, emphasizes how horrible it was of an event. Mm-hmm. That news traveled all the way around the world about it. Yeah. 
because they don't let this kind of information out. No, they keep a tight lid on it. Yeah. I mean, the judge or justice, as it's called over there, whenever he presided over this trial, he said, quote, never in Hong Kong in recent years has the court heard of such cruelty, depravity, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness, end quote. The psychiatric reports on this describe the three men as remorseless, cold, sociopath. That 14-year-old girl, I keep going back to her, okay? She was 14 mm-hmm. now. She testified against these men in a plea deal for protection. But that wasn't her only motive. She really believed that if she did this, it would rid her of the spirit that was haunting her. Yeah. I mean, as part of her plea deal, she was free and clear of any participation. Can you imagine how terrifying that would have been for her, knowing what they did to that woman, oh, knowing their yeah. connections and still that, testifying against them? Right. That's another reason why I think there's a high possibility that she was telling the truth about being haunted. Mm-hmm. Because something was going on. Even if she was just high and hallucinating, she right. thought she was being haunted to the point that she was willing to do this. Because, right. come on, you're not, you know. Yeah. If they are connected to the triad, it doesn't matter what happens to them. You're still dead. Yeah. And it's going to be worse than what happened to her. She knew all the gory details. Yeah. And it was a gruesome trial. I mean, she recounted all the nasty, gory details. And they all kept that pretty much under sealed record for a long time. Mm -hmm. The details leaked out as they do. So she recounts how they beat her, the fan, the victim, beat her, raped her, burned her, tortured her, all of these horrible things. And then the victim died and then they cut her up and cooked her. All of this, right? The three men are convicted of manslaughter. That's right. Not murder. Because even though the jury knows they ultimately caused Fan's death, they made it clear that wasn't their intention You know, while beating, torturing, and raping her every day for 30 days in the most unimaginable ways possible. So they got life in prison with the possibility of parole after 20 years. Guess when that was? The year 2020. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ah Fong, I hope you are far, far away from Hong Kong. This is one of those situations where a jury or a court has a decision to make are we going to go literally by the exact word of the law or are we going to go with what we know and has been presented and they decided to go with the wording of the law which was we can't prove how she died we know they killed her but we can't prove that they were trying to kill her or that they di- or that she didn't overdose on her own all we can really prove is that they dismembered her body which is still horrible mm-hmm. and that was like part of the charges was like preventing an official funeral to take place or something weird like that right and the manslaughter stuff and it's just like even in death her life was horrible mm-hmm. every aspect of it 
She did have a son. There was a, a, a bright glimmer at one point where she found like a husband and had a son. And that ended in like they were, you know, possible domestic abuse. They were fighting all the time and mm-hmm. ended horribly. And even her ex-husband, um, I believe during the trial, pleaded with him and told them, you know, like she had gotten off drugs whenever our son was being born. Right. You know, before she gave birth to our son there's no way that she overdosed but they destroyed her body so much that there was no Mm -hmm. proof that she hadn't fallen out of a window or walked out in front of a car so a perfect situation for a haunting to take place (laughs) i didn't read the part about them being associated with the chinese mafia or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, and until later on, and I had already read there that they were convicted of manslaughter and that's it. And then about the time I got to the Chinese mafia part, I was like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Could have a healthy hand in it. Mm-hmm. Hey, judge, do you want this to happen to your daughter? The Hello Kitty murder, as it's called is regarded throughout Hong Kong as the one of the most depraved crimes in history. So, fun fact, back to the haunting. The apartment building where the crime took place... <laughs> Would you stay in this apartment building for a million dollars? Oh, wait, wait. Becomes a meeting place for people who believed that they could communicate with her spirit. So they already knew that the young girl was being haunted. And so paranormal people start showing up and trying to communicate with her spirit. They started out just innocently at first, but then after a while, things got a little toxic in that building and a little questionable. Hmm. And then the building was demolished and is rebuilt as a hotel. Called the Cecil. (laughs) No, I almost went there with it. (laughs) But I'm just saying, just out the gate. No, man. No, this ain't Casper you're messing with. (laughs) This is not a spirit you want to contact. No. Let this one rest in peace, for real. For real. (laughs) She deserves nothing less than to just. Don't go up there being funny, like trying to boil a pot of water or anything like that. Like, this ain't the time. Bro. (laughs) I'm just. Really? You went there. I'm talking about provoking spirits. By boiling a pot of water? Well. Gosh. Having a Hello Kitty doll? I don't know. <laughs> you couldn't think of anything. <laughs> Boiling a pot of I'm just thinking of Like what? you didn't even say like Ouija board. Like You went straight to like salt in the wound or curry oil or I don't know why or whatever it was. But for the paranormal aspect of this case, 13 ghosts keeps coming to mind. Ugh. And I see her as like one of the 13 ghosts and like, how they had provoked those spirits and they yeah. were all pissed off. And the movie was scary. Yeah. Cheesy, but scary. Yeah. The ghosts were the scary part. I'm going to admit that it is one of my favorite yeah, same. haunting movies. I am a full, full supporter of hoping and wishing and praying that one day they do a series and make a movie about each 
ghost. Exactly, right? Yeah. I always thought, like, they should make a second one and go through the origins of the spirits. Yes, like, I want another backstory. And yeah. There's there's actually, and for, if you look it up, there actually is information out there about their backstories, but I want it to be a movie. I want it to be a movie, They're too. terrifying. The Jackal, oh, my God. And I want Matthew Lillard to be in it. So yes. what? Yeah, because I support him, because he's a very dynamic actor, you and know, it doesn't we, get enough credit. We just lost probably half of our paranormal probably listeners. Probably so. <laughs> They're like, 13 ghosts? You guys. Come on. It's not a real movie. I mean... Speaking of movies, this case, the Hello Kitty murder, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it spawned a few movies. Such One in particular has <laughs> the greatest title I've ever heard. The movie ideas that came to life from the Hello Kitty murder are, the first one is Human Pork Chop. That's the best one, right there, out the gate. That's the best. Is it? it? Because the second one is called, There's a Secret in My Soup. So I do have a question before we end the show. Do you think this... Oh, for me. Yes. (laughs) Do you think this murder helped or hurt the Hello Kitty franchise? I think it helped it. I think it helped it because this seems like something that people would latch on to. Yeah. I, I guarantee there was an uptick in searches for Hello Kitty mermaid dolls. Oh, I'm absolutely positive. Because everybody wants one because of the connection to this case. It's a strange place over there. Over there? Over there. I'm thinking about all the people in the United States that heard about this and ordered a Hello Kitty mermaid doll. Yeah. Uh, Well, sadly, the ones that ordered it over here were probably for more nefarious reasons. Ew. So, kids... The next time you get a stuffed animal, you might have mom and dad check it for human remains on Planet Fear. On Planet Fear. Be sure to check out our website, planetfearpodcast.com, for links to our social media, contact information, and our latest episodes. You can also find us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to follow us, give us that five-star rating, or hit the like button to let us know you enjoy the show. 